today on the Tearsheet Podcast. You know, and, and, and some businesses were kind of more ready for the moment than others. But I would say, you know, some of the some of the needs right away were just, you know, help me stay in business, help me continue to take payments um, remotely. I need mobile devices and, and I just need to be able to, to keep transacting for some of the, uh, you know, immediate needs. Definitely, you know, capital, access to, to cash flows. And, and then I think what we're seeing more and more was kind of a secondary need was now help me fight this new risk and, and new, you know, kind of fraud and attack vectors that I'm seeing as, as I'm shifting and changing my business. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. SMBs have taken it on the chin during this crisis. Nicole Joss, Senior Vice President of Small Business and Fraud Products at FIS, joins us to discuss how small business needs have changed and how FIS has responded with products and an evolving product roadmap. The payments technology firm has rolled out upgrades and new products for customers over the past couple of months, and Nicole checks in to describe how they're using them. Nicole Joss is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. What could you do with better real-time consumer data? All data aggregation from Fiserv enables access to consumer permission data from over 18,000 sources. Lenders, advisors, fintech firms, and financial institutions can turn this data into actionable insight for their customers. Go to fiserv.com slash all data to learn more. Hi, yeah, I'm Nicole Joss. I lead product for, uh, for FIS, for our Merchant Solutions Group, really focusing on all the merchants that we, that we process for in the partners that we serve in North America, as well as internationally our small businesses um, and the products that, that we serve them through. Great. And can you tell us a little bit uh, about your uh, career trajectory and how you got to this point? Sure. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a fun one and definitely meandered like, like many and most careers. I um, started off as a, as an engineer and optical engineer and, and was really figuring out how to get light out of lighting fixtures. Um, and, and then took a, took a sharp turn on my career path as I um, worked with a co-founder and started a company actually in the ad tech space. So, so jumped completely out and, and, and really the connection point was more of my shopping background and, and, and engineering background, but got into ad tech, um, worked for about 10 years helping marketers. Um, we, we were putting essentially tags called snap tags onto packaging, uh, point of sale, any kind of marketing materials. Consumers could take a picture, snap the tag, get, um, get promotions, get coupons, get offers, and really putting analytics and data into places that you know previously marketers weren't able to see how effective those ads were. So jumped into ad tech, did that for about 10 years. And then um, a, a, as that company was, was sold to a, an investor, uh, jumped into payments and joined what was Vantive at the time. And, and now through a series of acquisitions, we're now FIS. But I've been with this company now for about four and a half years. Um, you know, what I really brought forward through the through this position is really that um, you know, that, that tenacity to understand pain points and, and consumer pain points, merchant pain points, and, and really excited to have, have learned and gone, you know, um, head deep, I guess I would say, into, into payments, into fintech, and, and now really excited with FIS acquisition, getting to learn beyond just the merchant side uh, of, you know, commerce and transactions, but also getting to start learning about the, the banking side as well. Interesting. And, and do you see um, overlap, at least from a product standpoint, um, from ad tech to financial technology, fintech? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, that definitely more and more so. I mean, the, the big connection point for me, and actually I came into the company to run and drive data products. And so, um, you know, the, the thesis that, that they said is, as they brought me in was, you know, I'd been helping marketers understand data and build data where there really wasn't any before to understand media effectiveness and to be able to come in and, and take a look at transaction data and how transaction data could help uh, you know, the, the companies that we serve through payments better understand their customers, make connections, both on, you know, driving insights of, of who customers are and how they spend, but also then quickly connecting that to fraud, right? And understanding what good and bad mm -hmm. transactions look like. So to me, kind of some of the, the weaving has, has been through, through data. And I would say, you know, just the, the need in today's world to understand, you know, how best to leverage the data, where to plug data in, across the different product life cycles is extremely important in, in ad tech and in, in fintech. Interesting. Thanks for that. And let's start with our, our first question, really. I, I'm curious to know how FIS's clients, how, how their needs have changed throughout this crisis, if at all. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely affected, you know, from, from small to, to large companies. The impacts are definitely different. Some of them are similar. I mean, the similar impacts have been, you know, as as companies big and small have had to adjust to new ways to stay in business and that includes for us you know everything from accepting contactless payments remote payments curbside delivery you know to really evolving to meet the the shopper and the consumer where where you know where and how they wanted to transact uh you know and and, and some businesses were kind of more ready for the moment than others but i would say you know some of the some of the needs right away were just, you know, help me stay in business, help me continue to take payments um, remotely. I need mobile devices and, and I just need to be able to, to keep transacting for some of the, uh, you know, immediate needs, definitely, you know, capital access to, to cash flows. And, and then I think what we're seeing more and more was kind of a secondary need was now help me fight this new risk and, and new, you know, kind of fraud and attack vectors that I'm seeing as, as I'm shifting and changing my business. And now a word from our sponsor. At Tearsheet's day-to-day -day conference, Fiserv's Paul Diegelman drilled down into the future of personal financial management. Paul, you're talking about PFM 2.0. It's actually two separate and distinct applications. Liquidity is a huge problem right now. Just People just don't have time to do things twice. Basically, most parts of the country shut down for COVID. Our PFM user growth was over 20% in the first two weeks alone. Underrated 100%. How could we use AI to impact PFM? I'm up for anything that helps people. And to help people, you need an economic model. To access the full video from Paul's talk, go to tearsheet.co slash speed of life. And, and what was that transition like? I'm, I'm interested particularly for small businesses. Um, you, you mentioned the need to, you know, take contactless immediately. Like, I assume many, many small businesses weren't prepared for that. Like, how did that transition occur for them? Like, how, how, I guess, how gracefully were they able to transition or to, to, to change? Yeah, I mean, I, luckily we have products like our virtual terminal that many businesses have had access to, but it just wasn't the most important thing that you needed to know about, um, you know, before call it March or February of this year. And so it was really, you know, kind of our, our first approach was to give, you know, free access to our virtual terminal, which we have through our IQ portal. And, 
you know, make sure that our merchants knew that it was there and what it could do, that they could essentially accept a remote transaction. So if someone needed to, to call in and, and buy something, um, you know, we, we had, you know, a large merchant who uh, was, was really all card present transactions and all of a sudden need to be able to stand up a call center, take and accept payments and then ship the products to their customers. And so giving them access to like this virtual terminal allowed them to do that. So that was, you know, like I said, luckily we, we had products, you know, at the ready. It was mostly just making sure that our customers knew what they were, how to use them, because especially those that were card present previously, they just didn't have the need prior. Mm. I guess that's a good, your answer is a good segue to my next question. Um, and I, I'm just curious about how FIS has responded with products and the roadmap. And, you know, I assume in your 2020 plans, you didn't have COVID um, in, in the calendar. So um, how did you guys respond? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely didn't have that in the calendar. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't think any of us did. Um, no. I, I mean, astoundingly, we were at a huge conference where our company came together and call it mid-February. And, mm. and just if I think about the course of, you know, three to four weeks from that, where, where we were as a company, moving the whole company, you know, to remote and work from home and, and then responding to our customers quickly. It was, it was definitely not in the cards um, that we saw, um, you know, a, a month before this. So, you know, I would say that the immediate response and as we came together as a company, we really looked at what we needed to do in a few phases. We quickly saw that there was going to be a release, right, that we needed to, um, and I'll kind of go through what those were, but a release then and relief had to be not building, not imagining, not creating, but really, you know, packaging, you know, getting, getting, our, getting our tools out to our customers quickly, mm. giving them access to them. Um, then there was going to be a recovery phase whereby we'd have a bit more of an opportunity to essentially build things, uh, repurpose things, and, and then a, uh, um, a rebuild. And rebuild is where we knew that we'd be able to reimagine our roadmaps. And, and that was, you know, we kind of had to see how, you know, I think when this first happened, we all didn't know, was this a blip or was this going to change everything and, and, and more so on a permanent basis. And I think as we've gotten into this, we've really seen that it, it's going to change a lot of things on a go forward basis, at least for, for a while to come. And so those are really the three phases that we're still working through. I would say, you know, we, we really kind of made it through that relief phase and a lot of the relief efforts were around like I said, getting our virtual terminal, giving free access to it, um, you know, partnering with with the companies that we had and the great partners that we have, um, you know, like Card Flight and putting offers out for Swipe Simple devices, like those mobile devices, so that you know, curbside and 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 mobile type use cases, uh, we we you know, our customers could could pick those kind of devices up quickly. Um, getting you know, gift gift card solutions, whether it be online gift or in store gift so that customers could keep transacting through, through gift solutions. Um, we had a partnership with a company called Review Trackers where um, you know, they stood up a quick solution so that businesses could go online and essentially in one place have their listings updated in like Google Maps, Apple Maps to say, here's my business hours, I'm open for curbside, I can do delivery. Because um, I know that you know, even as I was as a consumer navigating my way through those first few weeks, you didn't know what was open. <laughs> you didn't no. know, you know, what you could go where for. And if I wanted to pick up food, you know, I remember going to the bank and Google said it was open, but it, I got there and it wasn't. And, and just so much was unknown. And so tools like that, just that visibility to, you know, if, if you're making the effort to stay open and, and offering curbside, you have to have a way to, to tell people about it. So those are some of the early tools that we did in that, in that relief phase. 
Where do you think we are? I guess you, you spell out nicely those three, those three stages. I mean, it's, it's hard to tell because we're inside the hurricane, but um, yeah. how far along do you think we are? Yeah, I mean, I would say that, and, and I guess the answer is going to be varied, right? Across different geographies and in different verticals and sectors. But, you know, my, my best guess is, is that we are, you know, pulling out of the relief. And, and part of what I would define as relief is, is that, like you said, you know, we just didn't know up from down. And, and I think we're starting to, the fog is starting to clear a bit, um, starting to understand what, what the long-term impacts might, might look like, um, you know, as, as stores are opening back up, you know, we're starting to get that real um, data back on, on, um, you know, how, how customers are shopping, how customers want to spend. And so I would say, at least for our company and the way we're thinking about it, you know, we're really in that, getting into that recovery phase Mm -hmm. and starting to think about how. Um, you know, not just how we get, help our customers get through this, but how we help our customers, you know, recover and, and really be ready for, um, you know, for that recovery phase. Got it. And so can you talk about some of, I mean, you mentioned the virtual terminal and that's, that was an existing product, obviously, that required um, getting some of the, the, these, the clients who weren't used to using it, using it. But can you talk about some of the new products you've launched, I guess, into, into the crisis? Sure. Um, you know, one of the exciting ones that happened very quickly is on the banking side. Um, we had a product called um, the Real-Time Lending Platform, which, you know, we, we help banks and, and, and have digital lending solutions. But very quickly, we were able to uh, really re-aim and add some functionality to that product to help with the PPP program. And so while it wasn't us selling directly to small businesses, we were able to help thousands of small businesses by having banks leverage this real-time lending platform to be able to serve the um, payment protection program loans. And so that, I mean, that was done within a matter of weeks. It was pretty exciting to see that, honestly, within a company this size, be able to pivot that quickly, put a program out um, that our, that our banks could use. And it was, you know, from a community bank to some of the larger banks that we serve, able to use this solution and, and react to, I mean, there was changing protocols daily, you know, intradaily wow. with how that program was going to work. So I, I think that was a really great, um, you know, quick pivot on, on a product. You know, other things that we're doing as we're like, can I just interrupt? I mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Where in FIS, like, was that project launched from? Um, and I guess I'm curious to hear how it was, it was structured and who, who led that, that sort of initiative. Yeah, so that's within our banking solutions team. Mm -hmm. So FIS has three core segments, right? We have merchant solutions where I sit, we have banking solutions, and then we have capital markets. And so that really came from our banking solutions team um, that, that, you know, like I said, there was already an existing lending platform, Mm -hmm. but but the ability to quickly, you know, take in the requirements of the PPP program and connect into the APIs with the SBA to offer that is, is what, you know, I, I would definitely applaud for that team that, that, that lead and drove that. And then our sales team took that quickly to the banks that we, um, that we have relationships with. And the other piece of that, the magic of it was creating a very quick integration window. You know, you, mm-hmm. we couldn't do like a three month integration. <laughs> it had to be, you know, days to, to integrate into this platform to, to be able to make use of it. Got it. I'm sorry, I interrupted as you were talking about the products. Oh yeah, no, that, yeah. that was, um, uh, you know, a, a great one. And, and I had visibility of that as, as I was, um, you know, asked to lead our, 
task force uh, related to COVID across the company to help us just get, you know, product people together, business people together, and, and quickly establishing, you know, that, that framework of that relief, recover, rebuild, and, you know, essentially allowing all of us across all three business segments to be collaborating. But that's what gave me personally that visibility, um, you know, to that, to that product. The, the other ones on merchant solutions, you know, we're adding enhancements into, into virtual terminal, um, allowing more ways to accept remote payments. Mm-hmm. We are, um, you know, an, another interesting use case is just around like, you know, SNAP and, and EBT. And, you know, there, there was movement in the space, I would say, pre-COVID around allowing EBT uh, transactions online. But there was maybe one state up and going with a pilot. But on both sides, on our banking side, in our merchant side, you know, we've really made great strides to allow more um, online use cases for EBT. And I would say that's one that's, you know, we've got quickly um, pivoted, reprioritized our roadmap because we knew that was something coming, but now it's, it's so important for anyone using EBT to be able to use, you know, delivery and mm-hmm. buy online, pick up at store, buy online and, and get delivered or curbside. And so, you know, that's been an effort from both sides to help get, um, you know, online EBT stood up. So can we, I guess, switch focus from FIS to your customers and, and maybe talk about how customers are using some of those new products? Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, like I, like I mentioned, virtual terminal, they're using it for, um, you know, everything from call center to pick up, um, online, sorry, you know, pick up when I, when I order online or, or order over the phone, uh, We've had, you know, some of the other products that I haven't mentioned are, you know, we, we put out a, a product called IQ Now, and IQ Now is essentially like our, our portal where a merchant can log in and see their, their payments. IQ Now is essentially a mobile version of that. Mm-hmm. So it really puts the, that, that insight and the ability to really manage their, their payments right there on their phone. And how we're seeing customers use that is is to do everything from you know reconciliation using the reconciliation tools, but also to fight any kind of chargeback or dispute right there on your phone. You can take a picture of a receipt, um, do dispute res- uh, you know resolution right there on your on your mobile phone. So that's how we're seeing you know customers be able to to manage their payments on the go. Um, you know we're also seeing so with SMBs we really go to market through partners, and we have you know bank partners. We have independent sales organizations, we have ISVs, we have payment facilitators who, you know, rely on us to service our, our shared merchants and a lot of, you know, their needs, you know, so we can't just think about what do the merchants need, but also what do these partners need to service these, these small businesses. And, you know, one of the products there has been like the hosted pay page. So as like our, our software developer partners are helping their customers and building online and remote um, opportunities out hosted pay pages have been one of the big products that more and more have been integrating to and leveraging. And that's just basically a, you know, so that if I'm going online to buy something, we can have, we have this hosted page where consumers can check out because it's hosted by us. Um, you know, we, we basically keep them out of any kind of PCI scope and, and we see all the, the information process the transaction on their behalf. So that's, that's been a really important product for our partners. Interesting. 
Got it. I guess in the remaining time, um, I'm curious to think about uh, what is, you know, what does your pro- roadmap look like going forward now that everything's kind of been jumbled and, and, and you've gotten a recovery plan? Like, what, do you th- what are you thinking about future products and priorities? Yeah, I mean, you know, this, this really wasn't necessarily, I'd say, a lot of the impacts that we're seeing weren't things that we hadn't already imagined, right? right. I think it's really an acceleration of trends we've already been seeing of, of going, you know, from away from card present transactions and into more card not present. Um, you know, even if it's person present, I would say, you know, I'm at the store, I'm picking something up. And, and so a lot of our roadmap is unchanged, but maybe accelerated to make sure that, you know, that we have those mobile solutions and, um, you know, online remote solutions we have, you know, a, a fraud product called Fraud Site that we'd already launched for enterprise, and we're just accelerating the delivery to the to the small business space, just because it's become even more, you know, relevant as more and more transactions shift online and they take on the liability that we have those fraud tools in place for them. So, you know, I would say aside, um, you know, aside from a couple of enhancements here and there, a lot of it is just making sure that. Um, we're accelerating some of the stuff that was on our roadmap to to enable more of these card not present use cases. Nicole, thanks for joining us on Tearsheet Podcast today. It's a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thanks a lot.